The Bible reading this morning is taken from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within, within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. And let me say happy birthday to us. I hope this morning hasn't been too much of a nostalgia fest uh, for those of you who have joined us more recently. But I also hope that it's been helpful to see the uh, many kindnesses that God has blessed us with over these last five years. And as we reflect on that and look forward to what is next, I just want to speak to you for a few moments about tea bags. Uh, no, don't worry, I haven't gone mad, and it's not just that actually we have a real shortage here in the building because we gave most of the ones we, we had away earlier on in lockdown to the food bank. No, it's just I spotted this story, I don't know if you spotted this story in the news a week or so ago, about this artist, Jan Heath, who ran out of space to store her paintings, I think, during the first lockdown. And so she started painting on a somewhat smaller canvas, Use tea bags. And folks, their paintings are incredible. Whether it's a, a couple of cows or a London skyline or three ginger cats on three ginger tea bags, note, no less. She has taken these grubby, stained, useless tea bags and she's turned them into incredible, wonderful works of art. And folks, when I saw that, I thought, that's our church. <laughs> Seriously, that is a picture of our church. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at the church and I think for all the great folks who've been involved and, and the wonderful gifts we've been given um, and the blessings we've had over these last five years, we're really rather a bit of a motley crew when you think about it. <laughs> we're still grubby and sin-stained a bit hopeless, clueless, faithless at points. Uh, and to the watching world, we seem a bit useless, don't we? At, at best, irrelevant. At worst, dangerous. It's so easy to look at the church and feel frustrated or, or disappointed. I wonder if you've ever felt like that at points. If you ever do, what you really need to do is read the book of Ephesians. Because here, the Apostle Paul reveals to us the incredible, wonderful plans that God has for his church. Ephesians 2 verse 1, he has transformed us from being dead in our transgressions and sins to spiritually alive through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
so that we would, chapter 2, verse 10, be his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And part of God's work for the church is to use us to break down ethnic and cultural barriers by bringing us together and making us, Ephesians 2 verse 19, fellow citizens and members of the household of God. And God is therefore now, right this very minute, Ephesians 2 verse 22, building the church into a dwelling place for his spirit. And get this, last of all, I know this is quite a run through of the first three chapters of of Ephesians, but get this, last of all, Ephesians 3 verse 10, he is doing all of that so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I mean, wow, (laughs) just wow. Please see how important the church is in the mind of God. What God has been doing in us and and what he wants to continue doing through us, it's not insignificant or weak in any way because God is committed to turning grubby, useless, sin-stained tea bags like us into a beautiful picture that displays the wisdom and glory of his work. Which is why Paul prays this prayer that Lorian read for us a, a moment ago. And do you see that in Ephesians 3, verse 14? For this reason, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Why does Paul pray? Because of all that God has already promised to do in and through the church. He gets down on his knees and he prays like Oliver Twist. More, please. He prays, please, Lord, pour out more of your blessings on us and through us. And friends, I just want to, well, as Ben introduced that reading and and this sermon, I, I want to invite you, therefore, to join me in praying this prayer for our church as we step into the future together. Here's your first prayer point as Paul prays for more power to transform our inner being. He prays in verses 16 and 17 that according to the riches of God's glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, if you could imagine with me for a minute that you've got a house you really want to sell but you've got a tough job on your hands because it's in a state of great disrepair like this church was when we first got hold of it. The decor is an absolute nightmare. There's black and silver wallpaper everywhere. You go into the lounge and you see that uh, it looks like someone has not only been sick on the walls but also the carpet. Uh, The roof leaks. The wiring is a death trap. The bathroom smells like someone actually did die in there. Uh, The place is a mess, and unless you issue a serious DIY SOS, then there is no way anyone's going to buy it. Well, the Bible tells us that that house represents us. When we come to faith and Christ takes up residence within us, he finds the moral and spiritual equivalent of a bombsite 
inside us. And there's no way that anyone is going to look at us and by the fact that Jesus is Lord and can change lives unless we invite him into ours to change us. And that is what Paul's prayer is doing here. And it's often an uncomfortable prayer to pray, I've got to say. Because when we pray it, Jesus, by his spirit, like those folks we saw on the, on the video, in those working parties here at St. Joseph's, Jesus, by his spirit, sets about stripping away all that displeases him from the building of our lives. Tearing out the dangerous wiring of our, the thoughts of our minds. Clearing away the crumbling stonework um, of the, of, from our hard hearts. Ripping, ripping down the wallpaper of our idols. And gradually he creates for himself a dwelling that is fit for him to live in. That reflects his tastes, his character, his will. So again and again the scaffolding goes up in some area of our lives. We didn't think it was a problem. <laughs> but Jesus shines his light into our lives and shows us that it is. Our sin is so much deeper than we know. And often we love our sin too much, don't we? And we aren't willing to let the Spirit in to either start or continue His work. Brothers, sisters, what area of your lives, in the house of your lives, are you currently keeping locked? Is it the bedroom? Your sexuality. There's something there, but you're keeping it under lock and key, away from Jesus. Maybe it's a study. It's a work issue. As you say, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but at work, the Bible just has to go on one side. I mean, I have to compromise. People just wouldn't understand. Or is it the kitchen where you say about another family member, you say, I am not forgiving them. No way. Not ever. Brother, sisters, please ask Christ in to renovate your lives. For the mechanism by which the Spirit of Christ does this divine redecoration is verse 17, do you see? Through faith. So we need to trust him. And demonstrate that trust by obedience. And you can trust him in this. Because our, our faith is not in vain. As Paul prays in verse 16, that God would do this work of power according to the riches of his glory. <laughs> you see, this isn't trying to, like, trying to renovate your house with a couple of pots of paint and a few old rusty nails. No, B, uh, Paul is going shopping at a B&Q superstore. <laughs> so he prays confidently for powerful transformation because he knows. True fact, as my kids like to say, true fact, God's glorious riches can change our hearts. So folks, let me ask you, who is praying for your heart? Or who could you ask to pray specifically for you that God's glorious riches 
would strengthen your inner being with power so that Christ would dwell in your hearts by faith. If we want God's power to be at work in us and in our church, then we have got to be asking, inviting people to be praying for us and praying for one another as Paul did for the Ephesians. And as we seek to do that, then please look also at verses 17 to 19 as Paul prays, secondly, for more strength to grasp the limitless dimensions of Christ's love. He prays that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I've had the rather dubious privilege of eating many a meal with small children (laughs) and uh, I'm so glad that we are through this phase of our family life because uh, by the end of the meal, uh, well, the kitchen is in a state of total carnage. Some of you well know this, I'm sure. There are bits of food everywhere. It's on the table, it's on the floor, it's hit Somehow, the, the units in the, in the kitchen, the cupboard doors, uh, it's on my jumper, Fiona's head, it's just everywhere. And as you look at the little munchkin in the high chair um, with pear puree or whatever it is smeared all over their smiling cheeks, you wonder, how can something so small create so much mess? Well, the Apostle Paul is praying here that the Christians would marvel at, well, a different impact that something that seems so little would make. He's praying that we would see the impact the cross has on all of life. Just one event in history has covered the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of human sin. And so Paul prays that having come to faith through the love that Christ has shown for us there, we go on in faith, growing in our understanding of the full dimensions of his love. And this is not purely some academic exercise. No, it's more than giving passing intellectual assent to a historical fact. No, it's emotional. It is experiential. As we know, in this fallen world, the nature of life is such that our feelings go up and down, don't they? Which is why Paul is praying the facts of the cross into our feelings. That is what he longs for us to have. A knowledge of Christ's love that captivates the mind and fills the heart, whatever our circumstances. And if we don't feel like that this morning, then we should be dissatisfied. And we should step into this prayer of Paul and pray alongside him that we'd be given strength to grasp the staggering size of this love and for that knowledge to transform us in ways that we can barely imagine. And please note, this is not a solitary pursuit. 
Paul prays in verse 18 that we will do this with all the saints. For this is a prayer that can only be answered together. And it reminds us that we can watch a thousand sermons from the comfort of our own sofa. And that will do us great good. But it is only together that we can grasp the size of Christ's love. In John Stott's memorable phrase, it needs the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. It is so wide, so long, so high, so deep. It is as if no one person can grasp it on their own. Just before the pandemic struck, I met a young lass who um, used to be part of a local church. And as I spoke to her, she said to me, I'm really not going along to church that much anymore. I pop in from time to time and I've dropped out of home group completely because I just felt that really wasn't doing me any good. (sighs) Oh, how that would break Paul's heart. (laughs) A Christian who would so isolate themselves from Christian fellowship in that way. She is missing out on so much. No Christian can fully grasp Christ's love in a solitary way. We need our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us. I wonder how you react to this this morning, to this prayer of Paul. I wonder if some of us are thinking, okay, fat chance. (laughs) This all sounds really pretty and and lovely. It's, It's lovely theology, but it doesn't really work in the real world. Not in my world. Well, as if anticipating that reaction in verse 20, Paul reminds us once again who it is we are praying to. It is none other than him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to his power at work in us. We pray to the one who can do it all. I mean, get this, folks. What can God do? He can do all that we ask. I mean, if that's all that this sentence said, that would be incredible in itself, wouldn't it? (laughs) Every single request we make of God, he can do it. (laughs) When we ask him to help us to grow in maturity, when we ask him to help us to grow in number, uh, to make a, a bigger impact in our community, he can do all of that. What would you give to have someone you can go to who could give you everything you requested. Friends, we have him. We have him. We have the Lord. He can do all that we ask. And yet, he can do far more than all that we ask. And I think we've seen that over these last five years, haven't we, if you've been involved since the start? I have to admit, when we began this church, no one was asking if we were going to be able to start a ministry to refugees. No one was asking whether we would uh, be able to set over 50 people free from crippling debt. No one was asking whether we would be able to double in size and have capacity issues on some Sundays. No one was expecting that, let alone asking for it. But God can do more far more than we ask. 
In fact, he is able to do far more than we can ask or think. I don't know what you would say is just the wildest, most ambitious thing that you can think of us to do as a church as we step into the next phase of our life together. Maybe it's Christ's love compelling us so much that we engage our local community in such a way that many of the, those, those of them who have a deep-seated suspicion of the church, well, for them that just melts away. Or maybe it's that Christ might so transform our priorities that a handful of us present ourselves to be sent as mission partners by the church in the next five years. Or perhaps it's that we share the incredible resources and experiences that we've given and the love of Christ itself with others by launching out to plant another church. Whatever it is, can I just say, God can do far more than that. God runs ahead of us. He is always way, 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 way more ambitious than we are. He can do far more than we ask or imagine. Abundantly more, in fact. Or supercalifragilistically more. That's the sense in the original language here. It's a, it, Paul, Paul, Paul says he says hyperabundantly. It's a, it's, it's a nonsense word. Such is God's ability to exceed our expectations. Paul has to make up a word <laughs> to express it. And God can do hyperabundantly more than all we ask or daydream because the power that created a world, a universe out of nothing, the power that raised Christ from the dead, the power that breathed life into our fragile bodies and minds is at work. That power is at work in the church. And so Paul finishes by praying in verse 21. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In many ways, it's a strangeness, isn't it, that God would work in and through idiots like us. But that's what he does. So just as Michelangelo reveals his glory in the Sistine Chapel and Roger Federer reveals his glory on center court perhaps. So the Lord says, my masterpiece is the church. <laughs> we say, seriously? <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> it looks like just a bunch of used moldy tea bags. <laughs> and he says, oh no, Oh no, look at what I achieved through this hopeless bunch of misfits, this ragtag, half-hearted, ebbing and flowing people. Look at the beautiful picture that I paint through them. And so we exist ultimately as a church for God's glory. And because of that, the fruit of this church is going to last longer than five years. Longer than this building stays, well, nicely decorated or, or, or stands, stays standing at all. Longer than 
the course of our earthly lives because it is to be for his glory through all generations forever and ever, amen. And because of that, we don't lose heart when things go wrong, when we reach a hiccup on the road. And we keep on attempting new things, great things for him, even in strange and difficult times like these. Because it is always right, it is always necessary to seek to build God's kingdom for his glory. And so who knows what we will celebrate in another five, 10, 15 years time. I can't imagine what he'll do. Can you? And even if we could, let's remember, he would do way, way more than whatever it was we were imagining. But it'll be fun to watch because there is no greater thing in life than to know God and to be used in service of his name for his glory. So let's pray that for ourselves and for the church. Let me do that just now. Oh, Lord God, our Father, we thank you for this simple and yet utterly profound truth that you are at work in and through your church. That is true globally. That has been true throughout history and it's true for every individual church. So we thank you and praise you that we have been privileged enough to see you at work in this particular church. St. Joseph's Benwell, over the last five years. And again, we want to declare that anything of any worth that has been done here is for the honor of your name. And so, Father, we ask you, please strengthen us by your Spirit in our inner beings and help us together to grasp the full dimensions of Christ's love so that we may press on with that ambition to glorify you, trusting that you will give us all that we need to do the work that you call us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.